This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, welcome to At The Movies. Today we are finishing up one of our favorite series of the entire year by looking at the film Instant Family. I think as we kind of begin this conversation today, one of the questions that we need to wrestle with is the simple question of what is family? What, what is family? Now, for many of us, we've defined that term in so many different ways, if we're honest. Um, we, we most of, often kind of define family by our, our nuclear family, by what, what's at home, mom, dad, brothers and sisters. But if we're, we're just honest, there, there's, for many of us, an extended family, a family that goes far beyond that expression of family. There's, uh, for some of us, there, there's step families and step brothers and step moms. And there's grandmothers that uh, raised us and grandfathers. And then there's aunts and uncles. And there's, there's an extended sense of family. But family in some iterations goes even beyond that sense. And for some of us, we, ha- we have a work family. We, we have a family at work that, that loves us and cares us, has received us, accepted us, and believes in us. And, and they're there when we cry and they celebrate with us when we celebrate. There's kind of a sense of family at work. We, we say here at Vortex that we believe that church should be like a family. That church should be, we, we, we say often that we want this to be a church family. If you're a part of our, our church, you've heard that before, that we believe that we want you to feel supported and loved and encouraged. We want you to leave this place feeling uplifted, feeling like, see, there's a power in family. There's a power in family. Webster's defines um, family in a very unique way in lots of iterations, but I love the biological definition of family, which says a family is a group of related things. It's a, it's a group of things that have a relationship. There are some of us in here that we, there's a sense of family because there's a relationship that's there. there there's, for some of us, there's a group of friends, there's a, a, a workplace that, that there's a, a relationship that's present that gives a sense of family that, that though we may have that at home, there's, there's another place in which that's, and there's a, there's a power that comes from that. There's a power that comes from that sense of family. So let's talk about that. Uh, this is in your notes today, if you're taking notes. Number one, the first thing that you need to know about the power of families, that a family shares an identity. Uh, obviously, if, if we're talking about nuclear family, mom and dad, brothers and sisters, we share an identity and we all have the same DNA. We all have the same heritage. We all come from the same lineage. But here's the thing about family. Every family has an identity. Your work family has an identity. Your group of friends that is like a family, you have an identity. And that's the power of it, that it shapes us. So I can remember as a kid being told, no, we don't do that because that's not who we are. Family has an identity. And that's a power 
That's a powerful thing. Number two, uh, family shares resources. It's true when we're kids because when we're five, we cannot afford to feed ourselves, okay? It's just, uh, it's just obvious, okay? But, but it's, it's true as we grow older that we lean into family. Some of us remember when we were younger um, adults and, and we weren't so responsible with our resources and uh, our mom and dad actually stepped in and helped us a little bit so that we could recover from some mistakes that we made. All right, that's just where family does, that's what family does. Family shares resources. Family also protects each other. We kind of have a, a, a motto around our house. If you mess with one of us, we're all going to cut you, okay? Just even my two-year-old's going to come after you with a knife, okay? It's just going to happen, okay? But family, family protects each other. That's just the way it works. You cannot say something about my wife and me not take it personally, just like you can't say something about me and her not take it personally. There's a sense of protection that's here that is employed when it's our family. That's, what, that's part of the power of family. Some of y'all have experienced that as young mothers. You've never, ever felt a sense to protect anything. And when you heard noises across the house, you were like, hubby, get up and go check and see what that was. You know, but all of a sudden you have a little kid and then there's a noise and you're like running towards it like, ain't nobody gonna mess with my baby. I mean, just... Like that, that's just, there's a, there's a protective sense that comes over because family protects. Number three, uh, or number four, uh, family offers a starting point. I'm, I'm starting to notice this, especially in our kids, the older that they get. That, that we, we as parents, we, we get to push the ball a little bit further down the court. But our, our kids start from that position. So let me, let me just give you some advice as parents. The, the, way that you better yourself in this life pushes the ball down the court for your kids. It creates a better starting point for them. Okay? Because family offers a starting point. All of us start in our family of origin. It is just the truth of who we are. Okay? Family creates a starting point. And that, that can be in some cases, a very negative thing, but in many of, for many of us, it's a very, very positive thing. Number five, family cares for your needs as you progress through life. Family cares for your needs. Now, that's obvious when we have little kids, and they can't care for themselves, and so we're there to change diapers and feed them, right? And, and, and it's there even as they get a little bit older, and they need some correction and guidance, but that's true. Many of you ex are experiencing this right now in your stage of life. When, when our parents get older, and all of a sudden, the tables flip, and we're there to provide care and to make sure that they're cared for in the later years of their lives, because that's what family does. Family cares for each other. That's how family works. But there's one thing that I know about family that's true. And I want everybody to listen to this. Because it's true for every person in this room. Every single person. There's not a person in this room that it hasn't been true for. For all of us, there are people who have been more like family than our own family has been. There, there, there are people in our lives that have been more like family than our own family. Who was that for you? Who was that? Was it a teacher? Was it a teacher? I had a teacher in the ninth grade. I had a teacher who spoke such life into me. This is no joke. I, I never, my parents, um, really, uh, like post-secondary education was never on the radar for me. I struggled with a learning disability when I was a kid, but I had a, a ninth grade English teacher who believed that I could go to college. 
because she saw an essay that I wrote, and she kept making me write essays and entering them into national competition. Ended up winning a national essay competition as a ninth grader because I had someone who believed in me. In, in a large 4A high school in South Carolina, won English Student of the Year as a ninth grader because I had someone who believed in me more than family. More, more than family, but outside my family. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was a neighbor. Uh, across the street from us lived the Scotts, Harry, and Carolyn Scott. And they were, they were kind of like my parents' extended family because we lived far away when I was growing up from our family. And so we didn't have a mom or, or a grandmom to kind of watch on, on the nights. Because how many of y'all know sometimes you got to like give your kids away for a little bit so you can actually keep your sanity, right? And so my parents needed that every once in a while. And the Scots were who we got outsourced to. They were phenomenal people. And I can remember visiting mom and dad when I was in my early 20s. I went through a season of dealing with anxiety and depression. And I was walked across the street and just said, hi, hey, Mr. Scott, it's so good to see you. He was working on his car. And we're talking about how he's doing, what life was like for him. And I can remember this very vividly. He said, Kevin, how are you doing? You're in a stressful point in your life. How are you doing? And I said, well, to be honest with you, I called Mr. Harry. Mr. Harry, um, I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety right now. And he put down his tools and he sat and talked with me, and just poured life into me. And I, I promise you, the, the advice that he gave me, I still share today, because it was so life. It was family that wasn't family. It was just a neighbor. Just a neighbor. But it was more than just a neighbor. It's like family. Maybe it's like a friend. So, it's, do, you, do you have that friend that's more than family? I have a friend from high school that, that we've, we've remained friends through. He literally lives in California, lives all the way across the country. We, we talk almost every week. We, we constantly communicate. When our families get together, it's as if we share DNA. Our kids play like brothers and sisters. It's ridiculous how connected we are, but we're not blood-related. Maybe it was a pastor that believed in you and poured life into you and pointed you in the right direction. But we all have that person that was family, but they weren't family. So I think that a lot of times there are things that Jesus points us to that we gloss over and don't pay a lot of attention to. But I want you to understand this, that the gospel of Jesus, when it takes root in your life, is designed to radically reorient what family is all about. It is designed to radically reorient what your identity is all about. I'm going to read a few verses that most of us are going to believe that Jesus could have never said because you've probably read them, glossed over them, and just said there's no way that that's applicable. But it's true. And it comes out of Luke 14. Look at this. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, and even your own life. Otherwise, you can't be my disciple. Some of y'all are going, there's no way Jesus said that. He did. It's in your Bible, it's in mine. Then he continued on. And if you don't carry your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Disciple. 
don't begin until you count the cost. In other words, this journey that you're going to go on is going to cost you. It's going to have a consequence. You're going to make this decision. There are obvious benefits. The scriptures, listen them out in Galatians 5, there's fruit that comes with the decision to follow the spirit of God, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We want all of that kind of stuff. But there's a cost to get there. And Jesus says, don't, hey, listen, I want you to understand, if you make this decision, it's going to reorient your family. For some of you, it's going to change your relationship with your parents. For some of you, it's going to change your relationship with your spouse. For some of you, it's going to change your relationship with your brothers and sisters. But here's the thing, it's worth the cost. Because I'm inviting you into a new kind of family. I'm inviting you into a new kind of family. If you're taking notes, number one and then section number two is that our relationship with Jesus should radically reshape our identity as a family and as a person. Our relationship with Jesus should should radically reshape our identity as a family and as a person. Every family has an identity. It's part of the power of family. But our relationship with Jesus should radically reshape. I just want you to say to understand this. If you're still doing life the same way after you raised your hand or put a check mark on a connection card and you're living the same identity afterwards, then there wasn't a lot that happened when you made that check mark. Because Jesus desires to radically reorient your self-identity and what your family looks like. It should happen. It should happen. That's a part of this. Number two, a Jesus-centered family is inclusive and outwardly focused. Leave that up there. Is in, in other words, we, we, we want to include as many people, and we're constantly looking outside of our circle to see who we can include. You, you, you realize that's the exact opposite of most of our families. Our families are exclusive and inwardly focused. We are more defined by who is not a part of us and more looking inward to our own needs and how we can meet our own needs. That is not a Jesus-centered family. And I can tell you that because that's not the way Jesus loves. Oh, God's love has been demonstrated by how he's loved you. Number three, always understand that you were adopted into God's family. You were adopted into his family. You were chosen by God. Despite your sinfulness, despite your rebellion, despite how difficult you are to parent and manage, I don't care who you are, what stage of maturity you are in Christ, you are difficult. But God said, you're mine. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 1. Look at this. Even before he made the world, even not, not when you raise your hand, not when you pray a prayer, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance, this is what adoption looks like, to love someone and choose someone. He decided in advance to adopt us into his family. And by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, this is what he wanted to do. He desired to do it. He chose to do it. And it gave him great pleasure. Let me just say this. 
There are some of you that God has laid fostering and adoption on your heart, and you've been saying no, and the level of satisfaction in your life is so low, and it is simply because you have said no to what God designed you to do. Because here's, number four, I want you to see this. This is important. God wants us to be concerned with the, the well-being of children with no home. He wants us to be. It is a major portion of Scripture. Over 40 times throughout the canon of Scripture does God say directly from the mouth of God, does God direct us to care for orphans, children who have no home. It is a huge part of God's heart that we would reach out into our communities and into the world and find the kids that have no home. Notice he doesn't say, let the government take care of them. It actually is the church's job. Y'all might be saying, but that's, that's so Old Testament, that's Old Covenant. No. Here's James 1. 27. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Caring for orphans in their distress. That's, that's what foster care is all about. The film Instant Family was written by Sean Anders, who is a uh, writer and producer in Hollywood. He actually started talking with his wife about having a family, made a joke, why don't we adopt a kid that's five years old because we're a little bit old and that would be like we got a head in the game. And before too long, they had adopted three kids out of the foster care system. And he wrote this screenplay, then directed this film based on his experience as a foster family that adopted 1500 BC. 1500 BC as the number of enslaved Hebrews began to swell, potentially overrunning the number of Egyptian citizens, Pharaoh issued an edict. Execute every male born to the Hebrews. The midwives were charged with taking the young boys and simply throwing them into the river to let them drown. One young mother had the courage to hide her pregnancy, conceal the birth, and at three months, she realized that she could no longer keep her little boy a secret anymore. So she put him in a basket and put him in the river and let him go. Not knowing that just down the river was Pharaoh's daughter who would find that same basket, pick it up inside, find a baby that she fell in love with instantly. She knew that this newborn needed care, and so they reached out and eventually actually even found the mom to come and care for that baby for a little while. Exodus 2.10 records what happens next. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son, the daughter of the man who gave the direction to kill the young boy is now adopting the young boy. The princess named him Moses. For she explained, I lifted him 
out of the water. Moses became known as the deliverer. He would live in exile for some 40 years and then return to Egypt demanding the release of the Hebrews who had been enslaved for decades. Moses is credited for penning the first five books in the whole Bible. But it was that moment that saved his life. I want you to see this, that the rescue of a people came after the rescue of a person. Whether it was Moses who was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter or Jesus who was rescued by Joseph, an adoptive dad. We see throughout Scripture that people are changed when a person is rescued. So what if there's a child that God designed you to rescue? What if there's a child that God designed you to rescue? Today with us, we have Stanley County DSS. You'll see them set up right next to the T-shirts that we're giving away today. We're, we're at crisis level in Stanley County. Stanley County currently has about 50% of the needed foster care families to support actual numbers that are coming into the system. It's a huge issue for us locally. And what if James 1 was actually lived out among our churches? What if it was lived out here? that we took upon ourselves to really care for orphans that are in distress. I want to ask you a question, and this is one that I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This question wrecked me, and I'm praying it wrecks you. What if you're the one lost and without a family? What if you're the one? Some of y'all feel that way. You feel lost. You feel like there's something missing in your family. And you've searched, you've changed jobs, you've tried hobbies, you've done. Maybe it's just simply the fact that God designed another kid to be there and they're not there. See, the th brilliant thing about our, our DSS system and foster care is that they are so willing to work with you. Don't say no to what God's prompting you. We're going to hold an informational meeting next Sunday night. I would love, don't, don't say no. If you just feel that slight tug on your heart, you can go and meet with them, get some more information this morning and sign up. We'd love to pour into that vision of what God, it doesn't have to mean that you take in a kid. It can simply mean that you come to court and represent a kid. There are all kinds of ways to get involved in serving and right now, I believe there's a lot of us, a lot of us in the room, that we're the one lost and without the family because we're not living with the family that God designed us to live with. And you can have every excuse, I'm too old, I don't have enough room, all that kind of stuff. There are people who have all obliterated your excuses. And they take systematically every excuse that we make off the table Maybe you're the one 
that's lost and without a family because God designed you to have a different family than what you have right now. But maybe you're here today and you're the one without a family because we believe that this is a family and that we have a heavenly father that loves us and cares for us. And he's there for us when we need him. He provides for us. He establishes our identity. He protects us. Some of us are living without the power of being in that family. And maybe today is a moment that you receive the gift of stepping into that family. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.